Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, continues in our series called Christmas Questions. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or on our Brookwood app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Are you making room in your heart? in your mind, in your schedule, in your life for Christ this Christmas. Don't let Christmas get past without you having an experience of the Savior. We continue our series, which I've called Christmas Questions. And at Christmas, children do ask the most interesting questions, such as, Why are Santa's elves at the mall so big? (laughs) You see, questions actually reveal more than answers do. Because questions expose what the askers are thinking about or interested in. And the questions that we ask reveal what is on our minds, what is in our hearts. A few weeks ago, I talked about a woman named named Elizabeth. She had given up hope of ever having a child. She had not been able to conceive. And now she was, as the text says, very old, which I discovered many thought was over 60. So I resent that statement, but... (laughs) But she was blessed with a child by God. And she later received a visit from a relative. When this relative, who was named Mary, entered the house where Elizabeth lived and greeted her, Elizabeth asked a question. It's on your message guide. It's on your outline. And her question began, why am I so honored? Her inquiry and our title for this message is an inspired question. And so this morning, we'll examine the effects of inspiration from God in this story from that very first Christmas. You see, we're familiar with inspiration from God relating to what? To Scripture, yes. 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. But we want to look at how inspiration affected this woman, Elizabeth. She was the wife of the priest, Zechariah, because we want to better understand how inspiration affects each of us and our lives as well. The English word inspired is a translation from a Greek word, theopneutos, And it literally means God breathed. Theo or theos refers to God. And noustos can be translated breath or wind or spirit. So theopneutos actually means 
outbreathe rather than inbreathe. We think of inspiration, but the word is better translated God breathed, and it's God breathed out because the scripture is divinely expired rather than inspired. God breathed out the scripture. And the scripture is inspiring if we mean spiritually and even emotionally encouraging or uplifting. But more importantly, this word refers to scripture being a divine product. And therefore, it needs to be regarded as such and it needs to be treated and approached as such. The breath or the spirit of God in the Old Testament refers to the active outgoing of divine power. And it appears in many different places in the Old Testament in relationship to creation, to the preservation of life, to the revelation to and through these Old Testament prophets. You might be surprised, it also refers to regeneration. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. That's not only a New Testament principle. It's decidedly and definitely an Old Testament principle. And it also refers to the, the outpouring of judgment from God. The New Testament reveals the divine breath, again, Greek pneuma, to be the person, the third person in particular, of the Godhead. God's breath or God's spirit produces scripture. But the same Holy Spirit accomplished God's plan in people's lives. So we'll see several ways that inspiration from God works in, worked in Elizabeth's life and also compare it to how God works inspiration through our lives. First, producing miracles. Now turn to your Bibles, back to this same passage in Luke. I hope that you're spending some time in the first two chapters of Luke and the first two chapters of Matthew this Christmas. Just read it, reflect on it, pray through it. We're on page 820 in the Bible available at Brookwood, and we begin at verse 23, which we looked at two weeks ago, but I'll repeat this. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. You see, the healing had happened. And she went into seclusion to seclusion for five months. Now, that wasn't required by the law. So if you just think about it, this is a woman who had not been able to conceive. We don't know whether she had had, had miscarriages, perhaps several miscarriages, but she... she she separated herself from people, possibly just to, I don't know, remain calm, to, to stop her labors, to, to, in a sense, protect this pregnancy. We don't know, but we know that she went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And I told you that childlessness was thought to be judgment from God for sin. Now, how was Elizabeth healed so that she could conceive? 
Who thinks the angel Gabriel appeared to Elizabeth after appearing to Zechariah? How many of you think that? I don't know how this church turned into a bunch of chickens. We don't have any evidence that this angel left Zechariah and went to see his wife. No evidence in the scripture. And there's also no biblical assertion that angels have the power of healing. We do know that the breath or the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, possesses the power of healing. Hebrews 2.4. Also, it's interesting to see that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of healing. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Elizabeth was healed physically, physiologically, so that she was enabled to conceive naturally through inspiration, through the breath or the Spirit of God. And in healing Elizabeth, God not only demonstrated his kindness toward her, but also his compassion for Israel and through Israel, his concern for the rest of the world. Because through Elizabeth, he was sending the world the forerunner of the Messiah who would be named John. And he would prepare people for the coming of the Savior. Now, the Hebrew word Messiah means what? Do you know? Anybody have a guess? It literally means anointed one. And the Hebrew word Messiah is the same as the Greek word what? Christ. Same word. And both of these words actually mean anointed one. And Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit descended on him where? At baptism, which was performed by whom? By John. This, this John we're referring to, his cousin. Luke chapter 3, verse 22 shows the baptism. Jesus abdicated, abandoned, left his divine power before becoming human. So Jesus' miraculous signs were performed in obedience to the Father first, but through the power of the Spirit. Luke 4, 14, Luke 4, 18 and 19, Acts 10, 38. Now some of us have been healed miraculously. Now what we refer to as a, mirac a miracle is ordinary to God. But some of us have been healed physically. But how many of us have been born again? Have you been born again? Well, then you've been healed spiritually. And you know what? That's much more significant than being healed physically. You know, as humans, we just cling tenaciously to this life. That's wearing out anyway. And even if you're healed physically in this life, at best it's temporary. 
because you will still die. But when you're healed spiritually, when you're cleansed from sin, when you're regenerated, when you're transformed, that healing, that change is eternal. So have you been God-breathed? Have you been inspired because you've been born again? Inspiration from God also promotes discernment. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. Now understand that the angel visited Mary six months after Elizabeth became pregnant. So when Gabriel appeared to Mary to announce the birth of the special child and explain how this conception would occur, I think he then displayed a, a special, an angelic, sensitivity to remember this was a bewildered 15-year-old and perhaps younger than 15. And I think this angel showed some understanding, some gentleness, some kindness, some empathy when he told her where she could find comfort and reassurance from someone she knew. Chapter 1, 35 and 36. Has God ever done something to you and you just really wanted someone to share it with? But has anybody had a work of God happen and they didn't know anyone to tell who would believe them? So the angel pointed out to Mary a mature older relative who knew God, who was righteous, Luke 1, 6, but had also experienced a miracle from God. In addition, this woman, Elizabeth, was married to a priest who served in the temple. Now, the ordinary people did not have Bibles. You know that, right? And in fact, women couldn't enter the temple. They could stand in the outer court so they could learn. But Mary was sent into the home of a woman who had experienced a miracle from God and also the home of a man who served in the temple right next to the Holy of Holies where God's spirit resided. So these people this couple could explain to Mary the significance, the importance of this child she was bearing. Now, teenage Mary, pregnant and unmarried, needed someone to talk to. Someone who would believe her story. Someone who would provide her support and encouragement. Now, how many of you have raised 15-year-old girls? Leanne and I. Mary may not have told her parents about the angel. Does that completely shock you? Now, how, how many raised 15 year olds? 
So does this come as a surprise? Now you went to spend the night at your friend's house. How did you end up at the mall? Well, you see, we were at my friend's house and another friend came over and then there was another friend down the street and then that friend's mom wanted us all to go with her to the mall. You ever heard anything like that? So she may not have even told her parents about the angel or about the pregnancy. And in fact, she may not have known whether she was even pregnant yet. She may have just suggested to her mother, you know, Elizabeth is pregnant and she's not very young anymore and she's had trouble conceiving a child and and not losing the child. Why don't I go see her and help? Because Elizabeth now is six months pregnant. She could use another set of hands, right? And she's kind of a delicate pregnancy. That's what the family would have thought. So she said, can I go there? And the parents would have said, sure. And Mary likely traveled to a small town, Ein Kerem, on this map. It was about four miles from Jerusalem. But look, she, Mary was from Nazareth. And that is an 80-mile trek. Would have taken about nine or ten days walking. It's a very hilly, um, difficult trip because the terrain was rough and it went through a desolate region where bandits often attacked. So it's likely that she traveled with another group of people. Now, verse 40, look what happens when she arrived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a fascinating sentence. First off, the passage reveals the individuality, the separate personhood of a child and the mother carrying the child as well as the awareness of such a young child. See, this child, John, remember, was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. But the mother wasn't filled at the same time. The mother was filled with the Spirit at the sound of Mary's voice. So what you see is two completely separate individuals, one within the other. Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary arrived. So her yet to be born, but already filled with the spirit son responded to the sound of Mary's voice by leaping. Now, all of you women have had a child that kicked and moved, and it wasn't unusual. But something else happened here. Now, here's my opinion, which y'all know, always know what you can do with my opinions. I don't think John's reaction was caused by the sound of Mary's voice. 
Now, I do, I do believe that children within the womb can hear and discern voices. In fact, a dear lady in our church some years ago was carrying a child. And she said that whenever I would preach, her child would calm down. And I don't know why that doesn't have some effect on y'all like that. Now, this child is a teenager now, so I don't know if, it's, if I still have a calming effect. But I think that John responded not to the sound of Mary's voice, but to what? The presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus entering the home within the mother Mary. When we possess the Holy Spirit, we too can discern and are affected by the presence of Jesus in our proximity. You tracking with me on this? Can you tell when you come into this room and you can, can you discern the Spirit? I'm not talking about the music. I'm not even talking about the preaching. I'm talking about the presence of the Spirit of God. Can you discern that? Because believers should be able to discern Jesus in a room, whether in an auditorium, but also within other people. Can't you detect that? I was at the mall yesterday. I love the mall at Christmas time. I mean, it's just a sea of humanity. And I just like to just swim right in there. And I always sing a little bit. And I shop a little bit. And I run into some very interesting people. So I'm helping Leanne pick out her wardrobe for a gift because I have Christmas coming and also our anniversary before Christmas. So I select this wonderful sheath dress with this lovely collar in a royal blue. And I pull this off and I said, Leah, now this would really look nice on you. And this lady was very impressed by me. <laughs> now she was about late 60s, so she may have, late 70s, so she, her vision might have dimmed a little bit, but she, was, she could hear. And so she was in very impressed that I was shopping with my wife. And I said, well, you know, I mean, it's the least I can do. I mean, it's it. <laughs> Of course, Leanne, you know, adds into this conversation. Well, he shops once a year. <laughs> but when I do, I'm very present. I'm not complaining like Roland would. And I'm pulling off clothes and, you know, I mean, I was all up in those women's departments. I went to Macy's, I went to Dillard's. But something still, I'm still befuddled by some things. These women, they were mannequins, which some of the people in last service got all confused because I, I don't think they understood I was talking about the mannequins. But when you go in that Macy's, I think it was Macy's. And these mannequins are standing there like this. You know what I'm talking about? 
and I'm studying this thing. And I said, I've never seen any woman stand like that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you get some of this too with the men. But I like the ones that are like this and they're just poised out there with their hands. So I don't know. I don't know how that sells dresses. But anyway, I was studying that. And I was looking at all these clothes. And I mean, some things, I did not even know what they were. I'm married to a woman. I understand anatomy. I pulled this thing off and I said, I mean, it had one long thing and one short thing. And I said, Leanne, how do they wear this thing? Is this for like someone that's had a tragedy and it's like a one-legged woman? Or... And this older lady standing there, she said, I, I agree with you. I don't know what that is. And Leanne said, though, that you put the thing on and it has one arm and then it's suave across here. And nothing, you know, and then this part is on the body. I said, well, I feel better than I thought it was a tragic accident had happened. But, but I thought, look, good gracious, these designers, I could make a living as a designer. So could a seven-year-old, what I saw, what I, but anyway. But I was talking to this lady about the spirit, you know, and God's blessings. And she was just all up in it too. God had given her many years and she still worked and she didn't have a husband that came to the mall like me, but otherwise she'd been blessed. But the point is, I do have a point, is that I didn't know this lady, she didn't know me, but her spirit and my spirit just immediately. She was different than me, probably different background, different race, different everything, different all sorts of background. And yet this lady and I, had a moment of real connection because your spirit will bear witness with someone else that possesses the spirit. And some of us just wonder, stumble around and wonder, how can the world be in this shape when most people are saved? Most people aren't saved. 65% of Americans claim to be Christian. Do you believe that? Not with the culture we live in but your spirit will bear witness to the spirit in other people. Now, you don't use that to to condemn people and you don't use that to criticize people, but you use that awareness to know how you need to work in them and with them. Gain some sensitivity, grow some concern. The Holy Spirit gives us um, discernment about other things. Protecting us from danger. Sometimes you'll just, a warning light will go off. Don't, you know, a friend of ours said she, she was taking pictures and she, she heard, don't step back. And then she realized she was over a very steep cliff and she would have taken one more step back and, and she heard it. Sometimes the spirit provides us direction. You know, some of us get all confused. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we run to and fro trying to find somebody to tell us what to do. And somehow we've forgotten that we have God himself given to us permanently as a counselor, as a comforter, as a helper, as a coach, 
as an encourager, as an enabler. So why are we scurrying to and fro looking for somebody to prop us up when God himself dwells within? Sometimes the Spirit warns us about people. Don't go near this one. Don't dare date this one. Don't respond to this one. Have you experienced that? Do you heed the Spirit's leading? Or do you dismiss it? Because it, it doesn't make human sense. And, you know, I mean, what could be going on here? Well, something's going on that you don't know about. I can tell I've made mistakes when the Spirit had given me a leading or a warning and I kind of dismissed it because I just wasn't sure. Today I stop and I say, what, am, what is this? What is going on here? See, that's the way we're made. You say, well, this sounds all supernatural. Christianity is supernatural from beginning to end. If you have taken faith and domesticated it, all you've done is making it something human that has no power. That's not Christianity. Every bit of Christianity is supernatural. Now, we, the problem is we have bricks and mortar churches and tangible things we can touch and pastors we can talk to. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is the Spirit of God giving you life and residing within you. Inspiration from God also provides revelation. Verse 42. Elizabeth gave a glad cry or a shout and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Now, this is before Mary mentioned the angel, before Mary admitted the pregnancy, before she said anything. And, and here Elizabeth, in an excited manner, is declaring she knows Mary's secret. Mary's not showing. This could have been no more than 10 days along. And she wore all those robes and all that. But Elizabeth knew. But she knew about this miraculous pregnancy by inspiration because she had the information revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's Christmas question revealed that she also knew the identity of this child because she says at verse 43, here's her question. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. She knew something exceptional had happened. This wasn't just a kick. This was some kind of backflip or something. Somersault. Elizabeth referred to the child within Mary as her Lord. And Elizabeth is the first person in the scripture to do so. See, Elizabeth's words are the first prophetic word issued by God through a human in more than 400 years. 
she broke the silence. Now, you could say, well, Gabriel spoke first. Yes, he was a messenger from God speaking. That was the first message from God, period. But the first message through a person, a prophetic voice, was Elizabeth. Well, why not Zechariah? He can't talk. And he can't hear. And some of you are saying, well, I live with a guy like that. <laughs> so she spoke before Zechariah did. God's spirit provides us revelation. He gives us insight into matters we otherwise would not know. Sometimes it's insight into scripture where he reveals the meaning and he reminds us of biblical truth, John 16, 13. Sometimes he reveals a greater grasp, a greater understanding on the nature of God, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12, Ephesians 1, 16 and 17. But other times it's supernatural understanding about people and situations that are totally unknown to us. I think that's what the spiritual gift, the word of knowledge is about. See, I believe all the gifts still exist. However, I don't necessarily agree that what is identified as some of those gifts is actually what those gifts are in practice. But I believe they're all at work, but they may not be at work in some real outrageous looking something, it might be just some quiet way that you are trying to minister to someone and the Spirit of God tells you this person's life. That ever happened to you? You don't know them, you don't know their background, and suddenly you know their wounds, you know where they've been, you know where they need to go. That is a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's an ordinary gift given to serve the church. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12, 8, verse 45. You are blessed. This is the second time she says this. Because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now see, Mary was blessed for her faith in God's promise, yes, but the real reason was because it resulted in a greater blessing, the wonderful, painful privilege of bearing God's son. See, I hope that we know this. God's greatest blessings for us are not prosperity, prestige, possessions, or even physical health. God's greatest blessings come in the, in, through the joy of being part of his work, accompanied by his presence, empowered, enabled by his spirit. And that's why as David encouraged you, and I encourage you, take advantage of Christmas, not to get more stuff, to give something supernatural to someone in need. Giving gifts is great, but 
boy, what if you can give the good news and someone's life changes? Folks, take advantage. We have one more Sunday and we have Christmas Eve. Ask, to, ask for God to identify someone that needs to know him. We're not talking about talking people that go to church and Christians to bring them to Christmas. That's, that's just not real valuable. Ask about the person that needs to know him that God is working in. And if God speaks to this person through you, you will receive the greatest, most eternal gift possible. That you carried the good news that was a gift too wonderful for words. After hearing the prophecy of Elizabeth, Mary's apprehension gave way to joy. And she began to praise God for the miraculous child, the Messiah of Israel. And we see that in what's called the Magnificat. You can see that in verses 46 through 55. But I want to move to the end of the Magnificat to verse 56. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So she returned home either just before John was born or I think just after. I actually think that Mary was there when John was born and she was one of those too that praised God because she saw the work of God through this child John. What is God's spirit revealing to you right now? And what has he been saying to you in recent days? What has he been showing you about yourself? Sometimes we think, well, I'm thinking this is going on, but I don't really have any evidence. The spirit of God is evidence. So inquire. So what's he saying about you, to you? What's he saying about someone else to you because he's calling you to a role in their lives? What's he telling you about himself? What's he showing you about his work? And remember, when he shows his work to you, that's your invitation to join him. Counselors will be here. And it may be that you're struggling with one of these questions I've just asked, and they'll be here. They'll talk to you. They'll pray with you. They'll explain the good news to you if, you if you really don't understand it. They'll anoint you with oil for healing. They'll be here for as long as you need them. They'll be across the concourse in the care connection room if you would rather talk in a private place. Boy, my hope is that this is a, this is a God-filled Christmas. I'm not, I'm not sarcastic about Santa and gifts or any of that. But do we have room for Christ? Are we experiencing the presence of the Savior this Christmas? We want to close the service with a confirmation of trustees. And you have received these brochures. You see their lovely pictures up here. The trustees are the lay people who work with our lead pastors 
and lead our church through what's called the advisory team. So we rotate usually two on per year. Now this year, we're, we're rotating on three. You see the top three, Betty Zeller, Melvin Wright, Ricardo Carino, because um, one of ours was not, who, who was elected last year was not able to serve. So we have three spots and each of them serve up to three consecutive years, but they're three one-year term. One of those will serve only two years to fill a, an opening. So what I want to do is I want you to vote whether you confirm the whole slate and signify that by standing now. If you don't want to confirm, you can remain seated and we'll come around here to let you out of the building at five. So let me pray. Thank you. You have confirmed our slate of trustees. Father, inspire us. Teach us about ourselves. Teach us about you. Teach us the good news. Show us someone that you want us to reach, Lord, this Christmas. Lord, let us be messengers of good news. We thank you, Lord, that you trust us with the words, with the message that you breathe out to inspire our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get into contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.